on the Narrangong Where narrow-minded folk belong Bring the kids, it's a bloody good place to be There's a bakery and a primary school A decent pub and a public pool There's a roundabout and a bloody good petting zoo to boot So come on down and grab a beer You can stay if you're from here And if you're not, you best be moving along From Narrangong Earl, you're rushing off, mate. For the parking ticket? You have to go to court for that? What? It just seems bloody unlikely. What? You don't have to fucking rush off like that, mate. Get... Oh, for fuck's sake. All right. G'day, cunts. So, Earl's had to leave us a bit early today because of his ongoing legal drama, uh, which is manifesting this week in the form of a court date. He's maintaining that it's for a bloody parking ticket, but frankly, I'm not convinced. I've only ever had to pay a fine for these things, and here he's waltzing off to court. It's bloody suspicious if you ask me. Anyway, we're continuing our Christmas celebrations here in the Narangong Public Library. Last week we heard a couple of charming stories about Christmas bickies and Christmas pudding. Both of those are lovely Christmas traditions around here. In most Australian towns, I reckon, one of the most favourite Christmas traditions is the pageant. It brings the whole town out to wave and cheer and catch lollies and mingle with the neighbours. When it goes right, it's a bloody beautiful celebration of local spirit. When it goes wrong, well, that's what we're going to hear about today. Here's the Christmas pageant. She was a little flat, but Reg didn't care. His Emily was practicing for the school performance in the upcoming Christmas pageant. She was to be singing a solo in Christmas in Australia, right as the choir came through the welcome arch in the centre of town, and Reg was pleased as punch. Reg smiled. Bloody hell, Michelle swore from the kitchen table, and both Reg and Emily looked over in alarm, Emily's eyes filling with doubt. Oh, not you, love, she said. It's this bloody dress. Michelle had a pile of green and red fabric spilled over the table in front of her, heaped around a dusty and battered sewing machine. She was endeavouring to make Emily a spiffy new Christmas dress to wear in the pageant, but found the task was complicated by her impressive lack of skill as a seamstress. So far, she'd managed to turn a perfectly good set of guest room curtains into a pouched and wrinkled Christmas sack, such as might be used by the world's worst Father Christmas to deliver second-hand toys to misbehaved orphans. The orphans would be going without this year, however, because Michelle had just run a line of stitches across what could generously be called the neckline. Fuck! She yelled. At this rate, love, you'll be singing in your bloody knickers. I told you, love. Mum can have a dress sewn up I've had it up to here with your bloody mum can, Michelle shot back. I can, and I bloody will have this dress ready for the pageant. All right, love. Don't say I don't believe in you. Michelle's frown softened. Only we're running out of curtains. I'm pretty sure the postie saw me in the loo this morning. Reg ducked as a pair of scissors sailed toward his head. The Narangong Christmas pageant is quite a spectacle. It runs its way through the whole of town, passes under Shanky's welcome arch and ends up in the park, followed by a sausage sizzle and a piss-up. Of course, by the time the pageant rolls around, the town's already well into the Christmas spirit. For weeks, shops have been hanging tinsel and painting Santa in board shorts on their windows, 
Seasonal garden gnomes show up on the tops of stobie poles and perched on signs, and Australian Charles Darwin ties Christmas hats to the roofs in the enclosure at the edge of town. True enough, Narra does a bloody good Christmas. This year, Rog Jr. had stepped up to take charge of organising the pageant. It was no small affair either. First he had to determine the order of the pageant itself. There was the real estate office, which ran a large for sale sign down each side of Paulie's Commodore every year. The doctor's office put all the nurses in Santa hats on the back of a truck to demonstrate the benefit of a healthy diet. There was Ruth's Bakery with her seasonal pastries. Marshman wanted to get involved this year, and Giorgio's at the driving school was planning to sit his golden retriever behind the wheel of a learner car to get a few laughs. The only thing more delightful than a dog driving a car, Rog thought, was a bunch of kiddos singing Christmas carols, and he intended to take full advantage of their ability to tug at the heartstrings and loosen the purse strings. The Narangong Primary School would be bringing up the end of the pageant, the bigger kids carrying the school banner and waving, and Mrs McCaffrey's little year four kids singing carols on a stage pulled behind a tractor. Traditionally, this stage was placed on a large trailer, but Rog Jr. was never one to waste an advertising opportunity, and he reckoned he could go one better. He had a surprise in store. There were myriad other pageant tasks to take care of, decorations to be hung and snags to be ordered, not to mention the piece de resistance, a lifelike tableau of Australian Santa aboard his sleigh and pulled by six white boomers, famed in song and legend, all mounted atop the welcome arch in the centre of town. Rog Jr. was out to make his dad proud, his brothers look bad, and his first wife regret ever leaving him. To that end, he'd put his second wife to work, shimmying to the top of the welcome arch to string tinsel. It wrapped around the runners of Santa's sleigh, through the bridles of the big white kangaroos, and down the long curved sides of the welcome arch. Kylie looked quite a sight, thighs gripping the arch, orange like a tights riding up her ass as she slid back down. Rog Jr. though, was focused on Santa's board shorts at the top. Are they pink enough you reckon? Kylie dropped the last two metres and landed with a thud. She dusted off her tights and wiped the sweat from her eye. It looks... <sighs> she paused and reeled her tights back out of her crack. It looks pretty pink from here, she said breathlessly. Rog Jr. squinted and scratched the back of his head. Nah, I reckon they've got to be a little more pink. I'll get the paint, love. You get back up there. The day of the pageant, Reg was up at the crack of dawn. Not so much because of the excitement as it was because of the sunlight streaming through the bedroom windows. Turn off the fucking lights, Reg, Michelle grumbled. It's not the fucking lights, Mish. There's no fucking curtains for the sun. Michelle opened her eyes wide enough to glare at him. You having a go at me? You want to sell a bloody Christmas dress, you lippy bastard? No fear, love. I reckon the one you made's just about perfect, Reg said, hurriedly. He was being slightly generous. Michelle had succeeded in creating armholes, certainly, and there was a space for the head. There was even, roughly around the knee region, what might be a hem, even if it did start out on the right as an A-line and end on the left as a mini. But it was green and red, and with a little wriggling, jiggling, and some batter, Emily could squeeze into it. Luckily, the kids would be set up on stage for the duration of the pageant, because the dress was tight enough that Emily couldn't really walk. It's bloody lovely, dear, said Reg. I don't reckon Mum could have done any better. Shut your bloody mouth, Reg. It looks like shit and I know it. From a distance, though, I reckon she'll just look like Christmas cheer. Michelle glared at him and set off to ready the esky and lawn chairs for the pageant. After Reg dropped young Emily off at the school, he went and found Michelle by the welcome arch. She'd secured a nice spot right by the street, so they'd be able to see all the floats as they came by. 
Mrs McCaffrey had assured him that Emily would be singing her solo right as the school's float came by the arch. He sat down, grabbed a beer, and started to get into the Christmas spirit. Rog Jr. and Kylie were sitting next to them, and Rog was explaining the placement of each light on the arch, each festive gnome on each stoby pole, and the symbolism of each string of tinsel. The history of Christmas, see, is mired in ancient druidic rituals. These druids, them's the gnomes, you see, they take strings of entrails. That's your tinsel, right? And they'd wind it up around a tree before the village pageant. Have a beer, Rog, and shut up about the decorations, would you? Rog started to sook, but found it hard to frown at the sight of a dog driving a car. Con drove his Land Rover by next, wrapped in strings of sausages and tinkling bells. Strings of bloody entrails, Rog blurted out. I told you. Then Ruth and her husband, throwing green and red festive pies into the crowd. Samuel P. Marshman Esquire followed, throwing business cards. In a stroke of prescient genius, he'd had special cards printed up, which read, Injured by errant pastry? Mouth burnt by overheated filling? Call Samuel P. Marshman Esquire. The pageant continued. A parade of local shop owners chucking lollies and business cards and toothbrushes. Before long, Michelle spotted the kids coming down the road. Reg and Rog were fighting over a lolly that had landed next to their feet. Shh! Quiet down, you bastards. Here they come. I want to hear her solo. First came the older kids, carrying the school banner and waving pom-poms, variously scowling or grinning awkwardly at the fun they weren't expecting to have. The tractor trundled along behind them, Bill Bunsen seated proudly and comfortably at the wheel, pulling Mrs McCaffrey's Year 4 class behind him on an ersat stage constructed atop. Rog, Reg said. What the bloody hell is that stage sitting on? Rog Jr. had built a stage all right, and he'd taken the opportunity to show off Shanky's newest development. The Shanky automated overpowered hay rake and hay rake with extra hay raking power. The beastly machine had two additional cyclic rakes, a larger bundler with additional gathering hooks, and a dual strand tie down system. It also had just enough room on top to fit a stage just large enough for a children's choir while they carolled their way through town. It was a glorious sight and an even more impressive sound. The six rakes whirred in unison, the bundler click clacked across the hopper, and the dual strand tie down system whizzed a string of twine across the bundler. As the float clattered down Main Street, in fact, the only thing Reg and Michelle couldn't hear was the school choir. They could see the little kids' mouths moving and their little hands clapping in time with what they could only assume was a cheery, upbeat Christmas melody. They could see Emily counting verses nervously on one hand as she prepared to step out for her solo. Rog, Reg began. Bloody beautiful, isn't it? Rog responded. Emily smiled at her mum and dad as she sang along with the other kids. At least, it looked like she was singing along. She could have been swearing a blue streak for all they could tell over the clatter. Rog! Reg shouted again. What the bloody hell is that noise? It's the newest model. Figured the pageant was perfect chance to show it off to the crowds. Dad'll be bloody pleased. Rog! Michelle was standing up now too. Looks bloody beautiful, doesn't it? Continued Rog, oblivious to the turning tides. And she sounds a beaut out there, doesn't she? Listen to her sing. The rake? Rog, you daft bastard, you can't hear the kids. The what? Rog asked. The bloody kids, Rog. The whole bloody reason for the thing. Rog looked up at the year four choir. Them? He asked. But they always sound like shit. Frankly, he pushed on, a little put out by Reg's disparaging comments. Your Emily looks like shit too. What is that she's wearing? A sack made out of curtains? Michelle's beer bottle struck him square in the forehead and he staggered back into the street. It's not all about your bloody pageantry, she yelled. It's a bloody pageant. 
What else would it be about, you daft cunt? Over the whirring and the click clacking and the whizzing of the rake could clearly be heard the thud as Reg connected with Roger's chin. Rog went down hard as Reg stormed toward the welcome arch. He grabbed the strand of tinsel that wound up it and began to pull. Reg, what the fuck are you about? Rog Jr. yelled, climbing to his feet and dodging another hastily thrown bottle. Leave the bloody tinsel alone. Fuck your tinsel, Reg shouted and neatly sidestepped Rog's grasping tackle. Give it back, you bastard, Rog yelled, turning and chasing Reg out into the street. Rog Jr. had always been the bigger of the two, but Reg was quicker, and he ran rings around his brother, trailing a streamer of tinsel. Both men narrowly missed being run down by Bill Bunsen's tractor as it rolled slowly under the arch, the kids still apparently lost in song. Emily looked so serene and festive atop the rake that Reg couldn't help but smile up at her as he ran by. His momentary lapse of concentration was sufficient to let Rog catch him in an impressive flying tackle. The two men rolled into the gutter, and Rog managed to get a couple of good shots in before Reg wriggled out from under him and was up again, dancing down the road and taunting his brother. The streamer of tinsel had disappeared under Bill Bunsen's tractor and reappeared now, swept up by one of the six overpowered cyclic hay rakes. As Rog and Reg traded blows under the arch, the tinsel click-clacked and whizzed its way inside the machinery, coming down from the arch in zigzagging streamers. Rog and Reg, meanwhile, seem to have stirred up decades-long disagreements of the sort that always arise at Christmas time. I never even said you could borrow it, Rog yelled, his voice muffled by Reg's thighs, which were clamped around his head and neck. He did his best to land punches on Reg's ass. It was my bloody fishing pole, and you went and broke it. <coughs> came Reg's reply, muffled by a mouthful of Roger's moleskin pants and at least some of his calf. He released his grip and spat out a piece of pant leg. Ah, you punched my bloody bum! He bit down again wildly and Rog screamed. It was never even your bloody pole to begin with, Reg yelled. Papa gave it to both of us. He scrambled to his feet. I was the oldest and I used it first. It was mine. Rog dove for Reg's knees and the two went down again. By this point, the tinsel had unwound from one leg of the arch and was beginning to pull down the first of Santa's six white boomers. The overpowered hayrake barely strained and pop, the kangaroo came loose, riding the string of tinsel toward the rakes, whizzing, whirring, click-clacking more. Pieces of grey paper mache and red ribbon flew from the sides of the rake and left a macabre trail on the road. Finally, the kangaroo emerged on the baling platform as a bale of grey and red, neatly tied in silver tinsel. The kids near the back of the stage began to scream. The next kangaroo was already on its merry way jiggling down the tinsel toward its doom. In it went with a crunch, and one by one the other kangaroos jiggled after it. They were ingested, digested, and expelled in festive bundles to the horror of the kids above. By this point, Emily was the only kid not crying. Her classmates shrieked in horror as pieces of kangaroo flew from the sides of the hayrake, a tail here, a paw there, but Emily was counting silently to herself. Three, two, one. She shuffled forward in her Christmas sack and began to sing. Her clear, bright, slightly off-key voice rang out over the cacophony of the hayrake. Reg paused, one fist full of Roger's shirt front, the other cocked, ready to bring down another shot on Roger's already swollen ear. To ride around on the bush where it's dry, to cut all the presents piled up high, a red-nosed reindeer would never do, Santa should jump on a kangaroo. Santa's sleigh finally pulled loose from the top of the arch and the jolly fat man slid down the tinsel toward the rake, seeming to fly over the brothers, showering them in glitter that shook free from his sleigh. Twas a merry sight indeed. That sounds bloody beautiful, that does, said Reg. 
voice of a bloody angel. He stared up in rapt attention. Here, he said. As the Christmas spirit swept over him, he turned to help his brother out. This is no time for fight. Reg went down hard, but with a smile on his face. Rog rubbed his fist. It was my rod, you bastard. The hayrake screamed as the metal runners of Santa's sleigh tested its capacity. Red paint and glitter flew in every direction as the sleigh fell victim to the miracle of agricultural automation. Then jolly old Father Christmas tilted backwards and slid in, feet first, his face fixed in a permanent ho-ho-ho, laughing all the way. Reg gave a groan to match the straining hayrake, and Rog turned to look at him, just as Santa's bright pink board shorts were being turned into Christmas confetti. The efficient whirring took on a tortured note, the click-clacking turned into an awful cracking, and the whiz became a high-pitched whine. The hayrake gave one final metallic scream and a twang of mechanical death. Rog stepped toward it in alarm, just as Santa's still-smiling disembodied head flew out at a festive but dangerous speed and struck him squarely in the face. Down he went too, falling atop his unconscious brother. Devoid of the hayrake's imposing wall of sound, the pageant was deathly silent. Emily's voice carried clear across the town. Little bits of Santa and his reindeer stuck to her dress and clung in her hair, and the rest of her class had long since abandoned the rake and run for their parents. But Emily still stood proudly atop the tiny stage, perhaps because her dress prevented any real movement. Christmas time is near. A single tear rolled down Michelle's face. Reg raised his head from the street and broke into a gap-toothed smile. Silence fell across the town again. Emily stood quietly atop the hay rake. Reg and Rog lay barely conscious in the middle of the street, and Santa's head lolled awfully in the gutter. Old man Shanky stepped out into the street and surveyed the carnage. His newest invention was irreparably damaged. The welcome arch listed at an awkward angle, and his two oldest sons were in need of serious dental work. The town waited. Old man Shanky raised his wrinkled and scarred hands and brought them together with a mighty crack like thunder in a summer storm. He looked from his bloody, barely conscious sons to the smoking hayrake and brought his hands together again. Shredded paper and kangaroo parts trailed down the street and he clapped again. He looked up with pride at Emily and continued clapping, slowly at first, now faster, his eyes sparkling. Michelle started clapping from the audience too, then Kylie. One by one, the whole town joined in. The noise grew like a wave, building up and breaking onto the shore until a chorus of applause filled the streets of Narangong. The moment was only slightly spoiled when Emily stepped forward to bow and ripped her dress from hem to neck. But her mum had put her in some Christmas knickers, so no one really cared. Old man Shanky led the rest of the town to the park for the sausage sizzle and piss up and when Reg and Rog woke up, they stumbled over to join the festivities. The hay rake had to be taken apart for scrap, the trailer Christmas body parts took a couple of days to clean up, and the welcome arch had suffered some structural damage that would cost a pretty penny to repair, but most of the town agreed it was the best pageant they'd had since the race riots of 63. What a ripping Christmas yarn. That was the Christmas pageant, a completely accurate account of Narangong's Christmas celebrations from just a few years ago. This was the end of our two-part Christmas special. Next week, we're bringing you a history of Narangong's own experience with the British invasion. Until then, take it easy.